All right, well, hi, listeners. We're back with another episode of Understand South Carolina. This week, we're talking about one specific aspect of the coronavirus pandemic in South Carolina, wearing masks. I'm Emery Parker. And I'm Emily Williams. We're joined today by two reporters from our projects team, Thad Moore and Avery Wilkes. Thad is based here in Charleston, and Avery works from our Columbia office. Uh, we're still all recording from our homes, so thanks to both of you for joining us virtually today. Glad to be here. Yeah, great to be on on this chat thing. We've like hearing me at my house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, over the weekend, Thad and Avery, along with another reporter, Joey Craney, published a story about South Carolinians not having many examples to follow on when to wear a mask. So that's what we wanted to talk about it today. Is kind of like why this question is a, a social conundrum right now, as they as they put it. But I, I would thought before we jump into the the question of the the social conundrum and who's wearing masks and and why i thought it might be useful to just kind of set the stage and revisit the question of masks in the first place and and what they are for and what they do and what they don't do so i i think to start off if you remember if, like if you go way back to january and february when um covid was starting to become a, a major story People started to panic buy masks, and there are three different kinds of masks that we would talk about in the context of, of COVID. Um, the first is what you've probably heard of as N95 masks or respirators. Those are like the thick kind of circular masks that you would associate maybe with like a construction site or or something like that. And those are masks that actually filter tiny particles out of the air. Those are masks that actually would protect you from a virus. The other two types of masks are like these procedure masks, these disposable surgical masks um, that you might associate with like a doctor putting on in, in their office. And then the last are these like cloth masks. I think that there's some confusion in the area of masks because in the beginning, what most public health authorities around the world were telling people is that masks weren't really necessary or something that they were advising people to wear. And the reason why that was the case is because those N95 masks were the only ones that were known to actually give you personal protection from stuff that's in the air. And those are also the hardest ones to get. You basically, even today, you, you basically just cannot get in 95 masks. Those are um, going pretty much exclusively to like healthcare providers. The thinking was that these cloth masks and these disposable masks don't really protect you a lot. And so that's why the advice was that you don't necessarily need to be wearing them. So I think the most important thing that we've learned since, um, since early in the year is about how the virus actually spreads. And what we've learned is that it, one of the main ways that it spreads is through tiny little droplets that come out of your mouth and nose when you're talking or breathing. While we knew that these like cloth and disposable masks would not protect you from stuff that's coming at you from the environment, we do know that these masks do a really good job of keeping those droplets that you're producing from leaving your body and spreading around to other people around you and into spaces around you. 
The other thing that we've learned that's really important is that you can and do spread the virus before you show any signs. And that includes like before you show like a fever or anything. So people are getting the virus and then walking around and you're just basically spewing these little dro virus droplets around and the risk is other people can breathe them in. They like land on stuff around you. And if you're wearing a mask, then that doesn't happen. The bottom line is masks are going to be really effective at preventing the spread of the virus, but only if the majority of people are wearing them because they don't actually really protect you. They protect everyone else from you. That's where we're at. And I, and I, the reason why I just wanted to emphasize that because I think that's why it's such a, an interesting question of why this, this social conundrum is such a problem. Because, like I said, if you go into a, 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 like a crowded space and you're wearing a mask, that mask isn't really doing you much good. It's only doing good if like, the rest of the people in that space are also wearing masks. I think having said that, let's just jump right into... Um, what y'all did report on this weekend, which is like, what is the state of mask wearing in South Carolina? Um, well, I, I'll uh, I'll let Thad give a smarter response, but I would <laughs> just say not very good. Um, if and again, as we've seen from many of our emails and the tweets uh, responding to us, that that all kind of depends on your perspective. There are a number of people who think, you know, if we lag behind forty other states in the use of masks. Um, as as the poll that we cited in the story found, um, that that's actually good. That means we're actually really ahead of those other 40 states uh, because we are, um, you know, sort of saying no to this government command or encouragement that we that we wear masks and we're rebelling in some way. Um, you know, they're they're, they're anecdotally. Sure. Anytime, uh, you know, Thad mentioned this in the story, anytime you go into uh, a restaurant or uh, a shop or a gas station, especially supermarkets, Lowe's, places like that, there's not that many people just anecdotally that you see wearing masks. I know in Five Points, um, uh, you know, we, we've seen tons of pictures uh, of, you know, students, young people going out to bars, none of them wearing masks, many of them sitting very closely together, uh, waiting in line to get into these, these bars that are just reopening. And, you know, anecdotally, it just, it doesn't look great out there in terms of mask use. Um, and I think, you know, like what you said, Emery, it's, it's, it's one of those things that requires a lot of buy-in. Um, if, if, if only one person in an establishment is wearing a mask, it's not really doing that much good. You, it's one of those things where it's, it's almost like there needs to be a, a tipping point where, you know, 50% plus one of people are wearing a masks in order for everyone to sort of buy in. Um, one great anecdote, and I'll stop talking, um, from uh, that we included in the story was the uh, chief clinical officer of Bon Secours Hospital in uh, Greenville, who said that he wore a mask to Lowe's recently and everyone was looking at him like he was crazy. And, you know, that was, it's just not the norm here like it is in other states that were perhaps harder hit. What about in, in terms of any kind of enforceable policy? Does South Carolina have a mandate on wearing masks in any way? And do other states have that kind of mandate? 
So yeah, um, we're actually pretty unique in that way, um, in that we don't have any kind of a ban or a, a requirement on mask wearing. It's not super common um, outside of like New England uh, in the Northeast to require everybody to wear a mask, but a number of states have have required certain workers, like let's say grocery store workers or um, you know uh, places that have reopened barber shops, like we have. Um, a lot of states will require the workers in those establishments to wear masks, and we don't do that. Um, so basically, kind of piggybacking on on what Avery was just saying, we we have this system here that relies on individual decision making. Sort of this idea of everybody's going to be civic minded and sort of look out for their neighbors. Um, we've left it completely up to the people, which makes it sort of this awkward social thing where everybody has to. No one's going to make you wear a mask, but they're sort of relying on you to do the right thing. Um, and I, I definitely sort of going off of what the the clinical officer at um, Bon Secours said, I mean, there's this weird dynamic here where I think if you go to a supermarket, especially depending on the one you go to, maybe like the majority of people are wearing a mask. But if you go, you know, pick up a coffee or get takeout or go to Lowe's, things like that, like you're going to be in the minority. So it's sort of like we haven't figured out where to wear a mask. And there is sort of a contingent of people who are just outwardly resistant to the idea of wearing a mask. And so it just becomes this whole stew of we're not really at a tipping point of sort of it, it's the social norm to wear a mask. Um, and sort of the flip side of that is if you are wearing a mask in some contexts, you kind of feel out of place. So it's just a very strange social moment where we're trying to basically build a habit among like 5 million people at once. And we're all sort of looking to each other and it's uh, it's a little messy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really a shame that that's the, the situation um, that, that being that wearing a mask could make you feel ostracized. And it really almost needs to be like the exact opposite of that, where people like people should be feeling pressure to, to wear a mask because it's, it's about, like I said, it, it's not about protecting yourself. It's, it's about protecting other people and respecting the, the people around you. That, that's what I was getting to about the tipping point. You, um, you know, ideally, if you want a lot of people wearing masks, you have to get to that point where someone feel, feels awkward for being the person who's not wearing one when you walk into right. a store. Um, whereas, you know, we've seen on social media, uh, anecdotally, cases where people who are wearing masks, uh, some of the some of the very non mask wearing uh, people who get very passionate about uh, that have have gotten in their face and, and you know, kind of accuse them of perpetrating this government alarmist conspiracy kind of thing. That's that's very bizarre. Um, mm -hmm. But but you you know, right now in South Carolina, if you're if you're not wearing a mask in an establishment, you you are in the in the majority. You're not feeling this social pressure or shaming um, for, for not wearing one. And, and kind of to that point, I mean, I think what's sort of weird too, is if you look at social media, I know just like watching my replies roll in the last few days, I haven't really interacted with it, but it's sort of like they're, they're shaming on both sides. Like they're shaming, like why, you know, why are you so scared that you're wearing a mask? And then there's also shaming. That's like, why are you being irresponsible and not wearing a mask? And so there's just sort of like, I don't think it's the majority of people who are who are mad about this on one way or the other, but it seems like a lot of people are really mad about it. And I think simultaneously, maybe this is just me projecting from my own experience, but I feel like it's possible to both feel 
like you're out of place for wearing a mask and feel bad for not wearing a mask. It's it's like a very strange thing where we're kind of living in this split reality where you're kind of wrong no matter what you do, uh, at least just from a social perspective. I think from a public health perspective, there's a clear answer on what is the right thing to do. Um, it just is really awkward. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that is, that is to wear a mask. Right. And that pretty, pretty much everywhere, um, except... Like maybe maybe the the exception would be you know outdoors and in, in um in in conditions where you're like very far away from other people. But ba- basically, if if you're going to be around other people, you you should be wearing a mask now. Is the answer? So, like you were saying, there isn't any kind of mandate in South Carolina requiring someone to wear a mask. You know, not a not a worker of a specific kind, but it's of course recommended, right? And that's kind of consistent with how the state has been reopening, right? When restaurants reopened, there were guidelines, of course, released there are guidelines for hotels that are guidelines for retail stores and lots of mentions of of masks and recommending them. But at the same time, right, this is this is kind of consistent with the plan of we give businesses these recommendations, but it's really up to them to decide, right? Yeah. There's there's a pretty strong line between uh, states that, that recommend these things and states that require them. And in fact, when we were doing our research for this study, we just drew that line and we found 36 states recommend or 36 states require masks in some form or fashion. Most of them uh, require businesses that are, are very public facing like restaurants, uh, servers to to wear masks. Uh, some of them require uh, customers of those businesses to also wear masks. And then you've got a few states that require basically you to wear a mask in any public setting uh, where you where you can't social socially distance. Uh, and then there are, you know, of the 14 other states, I think just about all of them, but maybe two recommend you wear a mask. But there is a big difference between recommending and requiring, even if there's not you know, a huge police force out on the street enforcing that law. It's 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 kind of a, a an important message that a state sends um, as to whether they make that actually a part of the law or or whether that's just something you, you recommend to the people. And if I could just jump in on that, too, I mean, w- one thing that I think is worth pointing out is um, and we were sort of just talking about this sort of culture war aspect of it and how people are mad on both sides and it's just this sort of messy social thing. I, I think one thing that was really striking from looking at some of the polling on this um, is that it, it isn't actually quite as partisan as it's sort of being made out to be. Like it, it definitely has sort of a, a partisan cast to it, but it's not purely partisan. So even in South Carolina, by um, there's this one poll that a handful of universities, like including Harvard, um, did in every state seeing how people were handling social distancing recommendations and that sort of thing. Um, and we were relatively low for the number of people who say that they're really strictly following mask guidelines, but still like almost two thirds of South Carolinians said that they were at least somewhat following the guidelines. So that doesn't say to me that people are just like adamantly against this. I think there's definitely a contingent of people who are adamantly against mask wearing. Um, but I think the majority of people are at least open to the idea um, maybe aren't sure on when to wear a mask or like just the, the expectations aren't very clear. Um, so it, it's not, it's not purely like an us versus them thing. And I don't think it has to be, I think it, just 
again, maybe this is maybe this is being generous, um, but I think a lot of people just feel self-conscious, and I think a lot of people just don't know what the right thing to do is because we've never done this as a country before. Like this is new for us. There's also a jumping jumping onto what Thad said. That polling also found a lot of other factors, uh, confounding factors into where, whether you wear a mask, including. Um, how much you trust news, how much you trust scientists. Uh, you know, th- there are a lot of other things that kind of add up and all these different Venn diagrams sprouting in every direction that, that helps decide whether you're a person that, that does this. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're also, you know, a lot of them aren't particularly comfortable. Uh, and so it's, and, and, you know, it can be kind of difficult to breathe in them a little bit. And uh, definitely when you speak, you know, your voice kind of sounds weird. So, um, you know, and, and then there's always that social pressure of if I go into this store without a mask, am I going to look weird or am I going to look normal? Um, you know, and all of that factors in. It's it's definitely not, you know, I'm a Republican, so I refuse to wear a mask or, you know, and, or I'm a Democrat, so I'm definitely going to wear a mask. It's it's not it's not quite that simple. And I think that's a good thing. I mean, frankly, I, I think it's good to not let everything be a total social war thing. Um you know, one of the things I was about to say is that, um, like, I do kind of get the the issue of trust, um, particularly because, like, I, I get where people would be frustrated in the way that the messaging on, on this issue has kind of changed, as I mentioned at the top, where, you know, at, at the beginning, health authorities around the world were, were kind of telling people, you know, no, you don't really need to run out and, and buy masks and you know, I, I think at the time that that advice was based on on the idea of, of not wanting to give people a false sense of security, but also, you know, wanting to prevent, you know, panic buying of, of um, like PPE uh, that's like protective equipment. But, you know, it, it's it's not just health authorities that are that are saying this, um, you know, I, I, I you know, I was, I was reading a, a study like just this morning um, about that, this idea um, that, that the, the cloth barrier and, and actually in, in this particular study, they, they were looking at um, using just like household materials, like just a cotton textile um, and, and found, you know, this is like 100% effective at preventing those droplets from, from spreading. Um, so, like the, the the scientific evidence here is is, is actually now pretty clear, and and I, I again like I get why it's it's frustrating that things change, but you know it's a situation where things change as we as we learn new things, and we you know we know more about the situation today than we did back then. So it's it's not a situation where you know people are like flip flopping about what. To, I mean, I, I guess in a sense they kind of are, but you know it this is just how science works. You, you learn more and then you have a better idea of what to do and you can give people better advice. And that's, that's what's happening. Yeah. It's, it's very similar in that respect to, um, the, the treatments that are being used for patients who are very sick with COVID. There've been lots of experimental drugs tried out hydroxychloroquine, chloroquine, uh, blood plasma, convalescent serum, all of this stuff, you know, doctors are throwing it to the wall to see what sticks. And there's not a lot of time for clinical trials before, you know, we, you know, we, we, we try some of this stuff. Uh, and a lot of that's just being used for the most sick patients. And 
you know, even even the results that hospitals are getting from from these experimental trials are, are not all that useful because they're not done in a controlled setting. Um, and so you, you've got all these different like schools of thought, especially being peddled by people who are not scientists mm-hmm. about what really works and what doesn't work and what definitively does or doesn't work. And all of it's kind of up in the air a little yeah. bit. And it can be pretty confusing at a time when, you know, really good information is super vital. I also think one of the things that can complicate this in people's minds is seeing seeing the state reopen, seeing things uh, start up again and maybe start to feel like it's returning to a semi-state of normalcy and maybe then it doesn't it doesn't feel um, like the time to still wear a mask. Of course it still is, but um, I think those ideas might be a little bit at odds in people's minds. You can go to a restaurant, but I think most people don't imagine eating at a restaurant with, you obviously can't wear a mask the entire time, um, but you are able um, to go out to a restaurant indoor or outdoor at this time. So while of course it's still the right thing to do right now to, to wear a mask, I think that's also one of the things uh, that's probably complicated for people right now, right? Reconciling the fact that um, some things are starting to reopen and 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 return, um, but we still have to take these precautions that don't feel normal. Yeah, yeah and I think sort of along those lines too. I mean, one one of the kind of counter arguments that's come up, uh, and just in my mentions, is that. Um, a, a lot of people are like, well, South Carolina hasn't had that bad of an outbreak. We, like, we've been lucky, depending on where you are in the state, certainly. I mean, obviously, it's a different situation in Charleston than it is, um, you know, maybe in, in Camden or uh, Clarendon County. Um, but for the most part, like, we've been spared the, the very worst. Like, we, we are not New York. Um, and it sort of seems like that, that's given one group of people a sense of security, like, not that bad here. And another group of people are sort of feeling like, okay, well, we got lucky. Why, why blow that advantage? And I think that's sort of an interesting split, too, in how people address this. It's like sort of declaring victory versus like feeling like you dodged a bullet. Right. I, I, think, I think there's sort of a mentality split there, too. So one of the main points that, that you were making in the, in the story um, was looking at our public officials right in the state and we're talking the state level and also locally and how have they been wearing masks and what message does that send so just starting with the the highest level at the state governor henry mcmaster uh has he been seen wearing masks in public when have you seen him wearing a mask or not not regularly uh he posted his first tweet where he was wearing a mask uh, late last week as we were finalizing our story for Sunday. Before that, he's held a lot of press conferences. Um, he's been to public events. He's celebrated Boeing uh, delivering uh, PPE for healthcare workers. Uh, and in all those situations, he was not wearing a mask. Now, in many of those situations, he's kind of around the same groups of people. He's, um, you know, the same sort of advisors that are there in the governor's office in the emergency management division um, uh, and in the accelerate SC meetings where they're brainstorming the the state's long-term response. 
So you can make the argument that, you know, he's he's fine in those situations, but he's he's not wearing a mask at the press conferences where he's speaking. Um, other politicians have have tried to do that. Uh, uh, Jim Jim Clyburn, uh, uh, the highest ranking Democrat in South Carolina, wore a mask uh, to a press conference recently. Um, he started speaking for about a minute before he took it off because it was pulled it down on, uh, below his chin because it, he wasn't able to speak correctly, I think. Uh, but, but, you know, we surveyed lots of politicians from sheriffs to mayors um, uh, across South Carolina. And it was, it was kind of varied in, in the, uh, uh, whether they were wearing masks, you know, in, in, in what settings. Um, and, you know, many of them weren't, some of them were, but uh, it, it's kind of like when you go out in, in, you know, everyday South Carolina, it's, it's, it's varied across the board. And one thing I did sort of as part of that um, is I, I was looking at other states' governors, um, so spent a while looking at other press conferences that other governors did, um, and none of them wear a mask when they're speaking. Like, and it makes sense, too, um, because you don't want to be muffled when you're on TV and you want to make sure you're getting your points across clearly. And also, usually, if you're at a microphone, you're sitting or standing apart from other people, so it, it makes sense. But a lot of them make a big show of putting on a mask when they leave or, or putting one or taking one off when they start to speak. And I don't know how much of a difference that makes in, in sort of setting the tone, um, but certainly it's an effort. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think it's it's probably helpful, too, that the governor here has has now tweeted out an image of himself wearing a mask. And I don't know what he'll do in the future, um, but he's not he's not outwardly rejecting it. Um, he's you know, they're recommending mask wearing, too. Um, so I guess it'll be interesting to see what kind of an example they set. And, you know, DHEC, our, our public health agency, their leaders don't usually wear masks on these press conferences either. So it, it, it becomes a confusing message when you're not wearing a mask and asking people to wear a mask. Have they offered an explanation in terms of why not wear the, I know, of course, like you were saying, while you're speaking, maybe not, but have they offered an explanation for, you know, why not show themselves putting on a mask before or after? Not really. I mean, I, I think that the, it sort of goes back to what Avery was saying, that usually like, these press conferences are done where, you know, everybody's temperature is checked on the way in and you're staying around the same group. Um, and I think that's the primary thing. Um, it'll be interesting to see if that changes going forward. I, I could totally imagine it. I mean, DHEC and, and their comment um, you know, they made a, they, they said, we, you know, we, we understand that we need to be an example. So I, I don't know what, what they do with that. Um, I will say to, to the credit of a couple of the DHEC leaders, um, like the state epidemiologist, I mean, she, she was wearing a mask during these task force meetings. She did take it off to speak. Um, but it's not as though they're, you know, ignoring their own advice. They're just, it's more that it's not as visible. And a lot of, mm-hmm. you know, mayors around Charleston, Charleston's mayor, Mount Pleasant, uh, et cetera, wear masks when they're out and about. They're just not doing it on TV. So it's good that they're not, you know, ignoring the, the advice that they're asking their citizens to follow. Um, it's it's really just more of an issue of making a really visible yeah. example. Well, and I just want to, I want to just strongly reiterate that you will spread this virus before you get a fever. So, you know, if if that's the way that people are thinking, then you know, by the time that you have a fever, you've already been spreading it and you needed to have been wearing a mask. And, and that, that's really the only way that you would have 
protected the the people around you from 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 your your little droplets you know so it's it's not really a situation where we can where we like have real time screening and and that that's you know i think i think that's an important thing to to keep in mind that like even at the white house where they they have they're not just doing temperature screenings they're actually you know doing these like rapid tests and and you know you still see uh, a hot spot emerge there because you can spread this virus before you have any symptoms before you know that that you're spreading it yeah i think another problem that that we have maybe particularly as south carolinians because we've always had this very independent streak dating back to the civil war and even before that when we declared war on king george you know we we kind of see ourselves as humans as as bulletproof you know we we think of ourselves as invincible and since the um since the 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 masks at least the cloth masks are primarily designed to keep you from spreading it to other people uh, i don't know that a lot of south carolinians are walking around thinking that they're infected right. even even if they are um because you know they they think i you know i haven't been around people um i you know been cooped up at the house uh and maybe they're ignoring the fact that they had family come over last weekend you know it, it's just people don't tend to think of themselves as vulnerable right. um you know, and, and I, I include myself in this, you know, we all do stupid things from time to time and think that we're, think that we're bulletproof. Um, so, you know, I, I don't think that people see it necessarily as I need to wear this to protect other people from me because they think they're fine right. themselves. And I, and I think again, as we are starting to do more and emerge from our homes more, um, it, it becomes right. Even, even more important to do that to to protect other people, but it, there's this, um, a bit of a, a paradox to, to doing that. I was at the, that Boeing event that you had mentioned, and I will say it was very strange to be at a, um, a press conference like that at this time. Um, it, pretty much most people that I saw arrived wearing masks. Um, Boeing's CEO was there. He was wearing a mask. There were uh, local politicians, um, congressional representatives. Um, Governor McMaster was not wearing a mask at any time at that event. There were dozens of people there and um, chairs were were all spaced apart pretty widely. Um, But at the same time, at any event like that, people are going to go up to each other and greet each other. People still took photos. So there were these moments that people were still close together. And I think um, people are still working through, okay, you know, you have the chairs spaced apart, you have people wearing masks. Is everyone wearing a mask the entire time? Are people actually staying very distanced the whole time? It's it's we're definitely in a difficult place to to navigate right now in still taking those precautions while at the same time trying to start things up again. Um, so that was a really interesting setting to observe that in, in real time, especially because it was a delivery of personal protective (laughs) equipment, you know, so it was, uh, just, just very, just very interesting. And like I said, for the most part, people were wearing masks, but just not the entire time, uh, you know, and one thing we saw that was kind of hilarious was, um, 
you know, there were there were several pictures of politicians or uh, police officers wearing masks and being pictured closely with people or not wearing masks, but holding masks in their hands, posing with the mask, but not wearing them themselves in those pictures. And I, you know, I just wasn't sure what was going on in those, in those photos. Yeah. Well, you know, and I mean, we mentioned, or we, we talked about earlier, you know, the fact that it just, COVID hasn't really been that bad in South Carolina. I mean, it certainly hasn't been as bad as it's been in, in other places. Mm-hmm. And comparatively, comparatively right. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think the thing is, we just, we really don't have a great answer as to why that is. And, and we kind of see this all over the country, you know, like different, different states are, are having like really different reactions or, or different, um, they're, they're kind of on different trajectories and there's not, there's not as neat of a correlation as you would want there to be between like states that were really strict and states that were really um, kind of lenient. So I, you know, I, I think that's kind of a frustrating thing is we don't super know why some states are, are doing better than other states. But I, I do think like it's, it's a really, based on everything that we know, it, it's really reasonable to conclude that like, it's likely that one of the reasons it's not so bad here is, is that um, it didn't really start here. You know, it, by, by the time that it was really bad in, in the Northeast, it, by the time that it was really bad in, in um, New York, you know, the rest of the country had kind of uh, a warning period and, and was able to, to start taking these like social distancing steps before, before it really got here, you know? And I think that's really kind of the concern as we start to reopen and as other states start to reopen is that, you know, if that is the case, then as we start to loosen the, you know, those steps that we've taken, then we'll probably start to see um, increases. Uh, the, the question will just be, you know, how bad are those increases and, and, can we can we maintain this kind of like flat curve that that's the the goal that we've been been trying to to um achieve the whole time can we like even if there is a a moderate increase in new infections can we keep it below the threshold where it becomes a, a major problem and you know again i'm going to sound like a broken record but you know the best evidence we have right now is that probably the best thing that people could do to prevent that would be to wear masks. Um, and I think there's a little bit of a human nature. I mean, I, we talked about this a little bit earlier about how, you know, our situation compares to, to others. But I know, like, I, I have family in New York and everyone there is wearing a mask. Partly that's because they just had it so bad. And, you know, if you, if you know a lot of people who had this, you're not going to mess yeah. with it. Um, also, granted, you know, it's a lot denser there. I, I was talking earlier with a a friend of mine in DC um, actually listens to the podcast. So hi, Austin. Um, he was saying that, you know, people are walking on the streets wearing a mask there, but when I walk around the streets here, nobody's wearing a mask. And I, I have to imagine some amount of that has to do with a density. Um, I've never been more grateful to drive everywhere uh, than I, than I have been with this. Um, and then be experienced. I mean, Charleston in particular has really been spared. We it's actually pretty stunning how low the case counts are here and how how 
much we've avoided right. this. I mean, I, I don't know how long that luck lasts or if, if we have a plan to, or if we're able to sort of prevent it, but um, we've really dodged a bullet here. Right. And um, I, it, it sort of makes you wonder how, how much do you take that to be, you know, we're lucky, let's not blow the lead and how much of it is, um, well, we're fine. Right. <laughs> I don't right. know. I, yeah. And I, I think like just the, the issue is that, we don't, we don't really know that and we're not going to know it until unfortunately um, something happens one way or the other. We talked about this a little, a little bit earlier, but I'm curious what both of you and, and, and Emery too, what you've seen personally in terms of people wearing masks and how that's changed, you know, over the last several, several weeks. Um, have you seen differences in different, places that you've been to. I know uh, Avery in particular, you've been to some other parts of the the state to report on stories. Have you seen some, some differences in um, maybe people wearing masks in a more rural area versus where you are in, in Columbia? What have, what have you seen? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I think earlier in the pandemic, when I was riding around a lot, um, looking for stories and people to talk to, um, I went to places like Clarendon, which is now the hardest hit county um, in the state. I went to Lee and all around Bishopville. And I guess in those early days when people were pretty locked down, like there weren't that many people out and about anyway. And the people that were, were more freaked out than they are now. Uh, and so they were, I thought the, the mask use just anecdotally from my perspective was, was higher then um, in some of those locations uh, when when we didn't know that much about the virus, when nobody knew who really had it, when testing was so low um, that, you know, potentially, you know, an entire community could be a hotspot and we wouldn't even know it. Uh, I thought the mask use was actually more then than when you go around now. It's like, sure, there might be the same amount of people wearing masks, but it's a, it's a much lower rate of people because there are way more people out. You know, as soon as the state was reopened, the the roads kind of got clogged back again here in Columbia. Um, and, uh, you know, I mean, that that was my experience. You know, I went to Bishopville a little bit later. And so there were more people, you know, but progressively, I, I think the mask usage as, as a rate has been has been lower now than it was, you know, two months ago, a month and a half ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about in. Charleston, I can also chime in on what I've seen, but um, Emery, that what have what have you been seeing lately? So, like anecdotally, my my experience has been that um, I think grocery stores are where I see people wearing the most masks. Um, the only the only other stores I've been to are like pharmacies, Target, and then Lowe's, and I felt like by far the lowest number of, of people wearing masks was at Lowe's. Um, maybe like 20% of people were, were wearing masks versus like when you go to the grocery store, I feel like it's maybe around like 70 to 80% of people are wearing masks. Um, I also noticed people there are uh, a lot more cognizant of, of their space and, and staying away from, from other people. Um, I was, I was, I, I was really surprised at, when I was at the the home improvement store, that was where I, I, I thought like, you know, you could, there were people wearing masks, but it, it looked really normal. Yeah. That's kind of been my experience too. I mean, I, I think it does seem like maybe it's picking up some, like I think 
you know, if you went to the grocery store uh, the first time and didn't wear a mask and you realized, oh, no, like 60 percent of people are wearing masks, then maybe you come back next time with one. Um, and maybe it's also just gotten easier to get a mask because um, it's not nothing. Um, but it, it definitely seems like in other other contexts, like, I don't know, when I when I've gone to get takeout or get a coffee or something, it, it seems really low. Um, and I wonder if some amount of that, too, depends on sort of the expectations that the business is setting. Um, you know, I don't think a lot of restaurants are asking people to wear a mask. I know like Kwaife on James Island is now, and that's pretty bold. Um, I, it seems like a lot of businesses don't want to rock the boat. Um, so one, one thing that I will also say I noticed in just driving around to different grocery stores just to like take a little spot check is um, so most grocery stores don't want to ask their customers to wear masks because I think they don't want to wade into that whole thing and, you know, have a whole mess. The only one that really is aggressive about it um, is Whole Foods. And they have like, a, you have to stand outside on a line to get inside. And they have a sign at the door that's like, please wear a mask. We'll give you one if you don't have one. And it wasn't universal inside, but it's a lot closer. Um, so I think some amount of it is sort of setting the tone um, and also just making it easy for people. If, if something is hard and no one's asking you to do it and no one else is doing it, I mean, what do you, what do you expect to happen? kind of the way I look at it. I I will say, I do know that Costco is requiring customers to wear masks. They started that earlier this month. Um, They're one of the only chains, at least that I know of, um, that has stores in the Charleston area that's requiring um, all customers and employees to wear masks. Um, But yeah, I I think I definitely agree. I've seen the... I guess highest percentage of of people wearing masks in grocery stores and that also might might go to the fact that we all still need to go to grocery stores right now but not everyone feels comfortable going to a restaurant or going to other retail stores or to a coffee shop and mm-hmm. if you feel more comfortable doing that um you may not uh feel as strongly about wearing a mask. I'm not sure, but um, I know I was driving around Friday night, mostly just because I was, I was curious and I wanted to see what things looked like. And I drove um, through some of downtown and through Mount Pleasant and, um, and down to uh, Sullivan's Island. And it just looked like a regular Friday. At least I didn't, didn't see many people wearing masks. I'm talking Shem Creek area, you know, the restaurants um, uh, down on, on Sullivan's Island. I was, I was surprised to see how normal it, it looked. I maybe saw a couple people wearing masks. Um, I guess then, you know, driving past, I was seeing more people eating outdoors, but um, I guess I had expected to see more, but it, it, it looked like a normal Friday. Yeah. I, uh, I got a haircut. Uh, Monday at Sports Clips, and they were very, very uh, rigid on mask use. You could not oh. step in without wearing a mask. They had masks for you if you didn't bring one. Um, and also the lines were, you know, like eight hours long. So I logged in at around 10 a.m. that morning, and I finally um, showed up and actually got in at like 4.42 p.m. So I need a haircut badly. <laughs> it was, it was I know I haven't, I haven't done that yet. It does seem like here it's going to be like a big thing of 
businesses setting the the tone. I mean, I, I think that sure. like like airlines are requiring it, and people aren't really freaking out about that. It doesn't seem like, um, and it, it does seem like probably there's a market for businesses that are taking it really seriously. Um, I think people who are scared of the virus are more likely to frequent those businesses. So maybe maybe there's a free market answer to all this. I don't know, um, but it does seem like it's going to be a little bit more situational here. Um, if we're not going to have this sort of universal culture or, or requirement um, where maybe each establishment sets their own tone and maybe it works itself out that way. Uh, we just haven't seen a ton of that yet. Yeah. Uh, making that requirement, right. Just like we were talking about, if there were um, a, a state mandate in certain situations to wear a mask or a, a business requiring it, then that, that eliminates the the social factor, right? If it's a requirement, then, there's no need to feel uncomfortable wearing one because you have to. So it's right. right it's we don't have that that policy um, statewide, but but right, we definitely are seeing some businesses say, you know, to be a patron here, you need to wear a mask. Like we're saying, not not too many on a on a large chain scale, but. Right. I'm curious to see if we see more independently owned businesses say, this is our policy, you know, um, you need to wear a mask and we'll be wearing masks too, yeah. you know, to, to keep people safe. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I think, I think that's what we, we can hope for. So um, we've been asking our reporters on the podcast lately, how you've been doing working from home, working remotely, working during this time. And if you have any recommendations for people how you've been uh, getting you used to it <laughs> <laughs> um, i think i'm doing better now i think i've gotten used to it it's helped a lot when i've actually moved from the couch where i spent like the first month working from home to now i'm working more from a desk type situation uh and that has improved my quality of life tremendously um I, I've noticed my my coffee drinking has doubled since we started. I'm not sure. Really? What, what, I'm not sure if that's a good thing or not. Um, but uh, yeah, now it's gonna it's actually gonna be a bit of an adjustment to go to go back into the office full time. I think, uh, which I, I guess is a good thing. As far as tips, I would just say um, I haven't found any real evidence that putting on real clothes is that helpful. Uh, I know other people say that that's a good thing, but definitely working at a at a desk um somehow has improved my my productivity i don't know if that's a placebo effect or what but but that's working for me yeah i'm the same way i'm I'm wearing running shorts right now and it's the only context that i've worn running shorts in because i've not been running yeah i <laughs> i i feel like the the best tip is just to uh have the society around you shut down for two months <laughs> so that you're forced into getting into a rhythm mm-hmm. um that seems to be helpful i think the the one thing that i I am really hoping to hold on to out of this um, is because we have not been able to like just talk to people in the office. Um, I've been making a lot more phone calls just to colleagues to touch base and talk about ideas and stuff. Um, and doing that while walking around the neighborhood has been really nice. Like I feel like I've gotten outside a lot more kind of ironically because stay inside is like the whole mantra early on. Anyway, that, that's been a nice plus because our office doesn't have windows and it's nice to be outside. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Well, thanks to both of you again for for joining us today. And what are the best ways that listeners, readers can get in touch with either of you? Uh, you can email me at tmore at postandcourier.com. Uh, you can at me at, at thadmore on Twitter. And uh, yeah, same. You can, uh, I'm, my email is awilks at postandcourier.com. Wilks without an E. That's uh, the crucial mistake that people make that gets bounce back messages. Uh, and then on Twitter, I'm at Avery G. Wilkes. Great. Well, thank you both again. And thanks to everyone for listening. Remember, if you have comments, questions, or suggestions for this podcast, you can tweet us at understandsc. All right. Well, thanks so much for, for joining us. And uh, we will be back next week with another episode. Go out there and wear a wear mask. Wear a mask. All right. And that's all. Understand South Carolina is a production of The Post and Courier in Charleston. Our theme song is by Billy Fountain. You can stream his music by searching for Billy. That's with an IE Fountain on Spotify. We'd love to hear what you think about the show. You can get in touch with us by emailing understandsc at postandcourier.com. Or, of course, you can tweet at us with any questions or comments. And if you're a fan of the show, please take a second to like us and leave a rating on the Apple Podcast Store. See y'all later.